Hello and welcome to Everyday Medicine. I'm Dr. Luke and I'd like to thank you for joining me on this podcast series where we've been sharing conversations with colleagues, exploring their special interests in medicine and bringing insights, ideas and advice which I hope will be applicable for our medical practices. In this episode, we have a very interesting conversation with a doctor who spent much of his career working in remote and rural medicine within Australia. Now, there are about 7 million Australians, around 28% of our population, who live in rural and remote areas, encompassing many diverse locations and communities that in some instances have poor access to the medical services we may take for granted in metropolitan centres. Higher rates of hospitalisations, deaths and injury are reported from remote and rural areas, and statistics show that remote and very remote areas experience a greater burden of disease and injury compared to major city populations, about 1.4 times. The practice of medicine in such communities requires a high level of medical literacy. On average, people living in remote and very remote areas are younger than those in major cities, and 18% of people living in remote and 47% in very remote areas are Indigenous, either Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people. This compares to 1.7% in the major cities. Health risk factors such as smoking, overweight and obesity, diet, high blood pressure, alcohol consumption and physical activity are just some of the factors influencing health outcomes there. And the Australian College of Rural and Remote Medicine has a defining paragraph about becoming a rural generalist and states, rural generalists believe in no geographic boundary to illness, disease, emergencies, catastrophes and preventative care that people experience throughout their lives. They are committed to going above and beyond and providing human-centred healthcare. The college then asks the question, are you ready to explore the possibilities? Let's go. Certainly, I found this statement very, very compelling and it held my attention. My father, who practiced medicine for over 50 years, always enjoyed remote and rural medicine and would regale me when I was younger with many interesting stories about the places he'd worked in, patients and families he'd met. So when I saw Dr. Etienne Carwood's social posts on LinkedIn after his experience working at Tom Price and introducing his work in Queensland's Bamaga, where he's now part of a team delivering high-quality remote healthcare, I just felt the need to reach out to him for the podcast. For those who don't know, Bamaga is 40 kilometres south of the very northern tip of Cape York. It's famous for its croc tent, outback safaris and big game fishing. It's well away from any tertiary health centres and the practice of medicine there requires sharp skills, a high level of emotional intelligence and an awareness of how to tap into more intensive levels of medical support through Zoom links. Etienne also worked for a time on Bado Island in the Torres Strait and I was very honoured to invite him as a guest on Everyday Medicine. He was gracious enough to accept despite a busy work schedule and an impending tropical storm. I was fascinated about his backstory studying medicine in South Africa and then subsequently accepting many challenging rural posts in remote and rural and isolated parts of Australia. During his time contributing to the welfare of remote and rural communities, he's completed a degree in philosophy and worked for a year in Java. Please welcome Dr. Etienne Carwood to the conversation. Etienne Carwood, thank you very much for joining me on Everyday Medicine. I really appreciate you connecting with me from the far north of Australia in Bamaga, um, where you've been practicing remote and rural medicine, and before that, Tom Price. And uh, I developed an interest in what you were doing through um, through LinkedIn, your LinkedIn posts, which I thought were very interesting. So I really do appreciate you making the time to to catch up with me. Perhaps doing a what could be a tropical storm behind you there on the peninsula. Um, I'd like to talk about rural and remote medicine and what that is, but before we launch into that, can you tell me a little bit about your journey? How did you get here? Where, where are you from and how did you get to where you are? Yeah. Well, I'm 
I'm sure you can hear I'm from South Africa. So I grew up in Cape Town, um, went to University of Stellenbosch um, as a med student, mostly with the idea of staying out of the army, conscription those days. <laughs> yes. um, and uh, then, um, yeah, my I've always wanted to be a rural generalist, work as a general practitioner. I never thought of myself as anything else. I, I, I couldn't uh, see myself just doing once one bit of medicine. And so, yeah, uh, once I finished um, after internship, ended up uh, in one of the most remote places in South Africa, in KwaZulu-Natal, um, you know, really small little place. Um, and you learn how to do everything, you know, cesarean sections, anesthesia, um, a lot of surgery, um, and um, yeah, well, would, would you have been third year out at that stage? How far through your like uh, no, graduation? I, in Africa, um, you can basically go and do it. Well, used to uh, directly out of med school. I think there was my second year uh, post. Um, I went travelling in Europe a bit, and then came to South, back to South Africa. Um, so it would have been, I had a bit of a hiatus from medicine, but then came back and took this job. And so I would have been, it would be straight after, yeah. really, internship. That's really uh, being thrown in deep, isn't it? That's thrown in the deep. Well, um, the thing is, and I think this is the case with a lot of rural hospitals, what you lean on is your colleagues and people who's been there um, and have the experience. Mm -hmm. um, so you learn from them. And then there's a lot of, at least in Australia, there's a lot of mentorship and training, formal training to do. But in South Africa, no, it's, uh, and unfortunately, that's the case with rural medicine. It, and, and it's true for a lot of third world countries, you get the young doctors, the inexperienced in these places. Yeah, so, so that's the, the thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, we did our best and, um, there were some really experienced guys there and I don't think we did bad medicine. Uh, it was of course in the middle of the AIDS epidemic. We didn't have any treatment or at least effective treatment for HIV. Um, and we had a 25%, well, 25 to 30% HIV positive rate in our patients. And you can imagine HIV, tuberculosis and PCP or PJP infections. Yeah. It, Devastating. How did you make your way to Australia? What what drew you across the? Um, just you know, have a look. Yeah, just have a look. You know, um, we decided we'll come over for six months a year and just see what it's like. And ended up in Tassie um, on the Tasman Peninsula uh, in Nibina, near Port Arthur, and um, yeah, I was there for about six years. Um, and once I got to Australia, that first year was when John Howard in the five year scheme and so it worked a little bit like well why don't you just do the state interview panel which is the first you know you can't do harm to do it and then so I did one of the first state interview panels in Tassie and then it's like well do you want to join the you know the five years yeah sure okay do you want to you need to do the fellowship exam um okay um and then well now you're a permanent resident um, if you do another couple of years, you can become a citizen. And yes. so then, yeah, 22, three years later, I'm still here. <laughs> um, you know, my kids are Australian and um, they sound Australian, you know. 
Um, Have they they followed you into medicine as well, idiot? No, no. Um, They're both, uh, my son's in um, computer science and my daughter's an engineer. Um, I said how hard you work. (laughs) Yeah, no, but I think, um, yeah, I dissuaded them a little bit, you know. It's like um, I don't know... I don't know that I choose this life again. Um, I like what I do, but on the other hand, I feel like um, you've missed, I think I missed a little bit too much of at least the first, I think, 10 years, uh, maybe 15 years um, after medicine. Yeah, Yeah, you miss family life because you're always doing something you're always on call um you know i think i think that's the challenge of being a doctor don't you that i think there's there are these sacrifices and it's hard to it sounds like we're whinging if we say too much about it but it's it's um you know every job has got a sacrifice of one type or another but i think there are responsibilities that come with the job and the task and you know what you've been doing working in uh, locums in places like king island where my father was and then remote parts of Western Australia and then Tom Price and then, of course, now the capital. I mean, that's that's taking on a lot of responsibility and um, you can't just walk away from from problems. I, I think other jobs you probably can hand over easily, but it's not that easy to do that in medicine. That's probably no. what you found. Yeah. 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 No, no, absolutely. I mean, that that's the thing and, and um, we can have a very long conversation just on that topic. <laughs> yeah, right. no, but I think I, I missed, um, you know, and, I, and we had a conversation, especially with my daughter, you know, about how long it takes, um, just the training, you know. Um, medicine is a, a lifetime's job and I think um, rightly so, you know. It, it is complex, um, huge responsibility, but it sometimes takes up everything yes um, continuously continuously changing and evolving as well isn't it exactly did, did you how did you prepare yourself for the you know these sort of outreach programs that you've been doing what, what were you doing there to sort of get your skills up and you, you yeah, had that so, initial initial grounding in south in south africa which is probably more than most australians would ever get uh, that would have set you up beautifully but what beyond that what other sorts of things did you feel you had to do um well in terms of um rural medicine at the moment um all the uh, health departments, uh, you have to do a uh, credentialing, um, yes. go through pretty rigorous credentialing. And so that involves experience, but also I had to do, well, you have to, it's mandatory to have an ALS2. Um, and then um, there's the REACT course. And I think ACRAM has a, has a very similar um, course as well, which is um, pretty intense three-day course uh, where, um, you know, you get through the paces of emergency medicine mm. Mm. Um, with experienced uh, emergency physicians. And it, it's incredibly helpful, you know, um, these guys taking time. They don't get paid, but they come and help us, uh, you know, come and show us, give us tips. Because essentially, I mean, you're a rural generalist, which means that to me at least I'm good at general practice. That's what I'm good at. But the nature of the job is doing emergency medicine, and or at least some. And uh, you have to, um, yeah, just read a lot, you know. And uh, there's a lot of um, extra training. You know, uh, we do here. I think probably about two, three hours a week at least, you know. And um, the emergency department in Cairns is incredibly helpful and kind. Mm-hmm. 
um, there'll be often, you know, me, little video Skype meetings or, or Zoom meetings with them where they'll teach on a certain topic. We just had, I think it was about a month ago, um, we had an emergency physician come up, also ex-South African, um, and um, taught us about, you know, venomous animals, you know, venomous uh uh, there's a lot. There's a lot around Bamaga, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we we've got um, near you know, the, the box jellyfish mm. and snakes. Uh, Have you seen anyone with Irukandji stings? I've read about no, that. Not yet. Not yet. No. Not yet. And I don't want to. Um, no. yeah. it's said to be the most painful thing in the world. You've got. To yeah. Um, they they tell they say so. Um, it. Luckily, there are some tips and tricks. Um, I think people are understanding or having some experience with it. Um, but yeah, once once you get that sting, of course, it's uh, incredibly painful, but also that sense of impending doom. Um, <laughs> so we stay out of the water here. Um, it is now Irukandji season, and uh, yeah, and of course, there's crocs all around. So yeah, we're not going for a swim. <laughs> um, what have been some of the major challenges that you've come across like medical challenges you've had to do with emergencies and you've had to probably with uh, emergency evacuate patients out i suspect to major centers like, tell us a little bit about that experience how difficult has that been um look i mean it, it's always challenging in in environments and the biggest one um is time so for instance um over the holiday period and I did a fair bit of on-call in, in the, that sort of holiday period here in, um, in, in Bamaga, um, was weather. We had that um, little bit of a cyclone come through. And so we had sick patients, at least, well, I, I think it was about two pretty sick patients um, who, yeah, it was, I think it was three days before it cleared enough for anybody to come. Um, so our backup is... is uh, Thursday Island, um, and they've got some really experienced doctors there who's done anesthesia um, and have a lot of experience. Um, so we'll often call on them, and they couldn't even get a helicopter. And so, yeah, that that sort of thing isn't too uncommon. The ones I remember is is also going back, like I was in Newman um, some years ago doing a locum there, for instance. And um, I had a patient who had an ectopic pregnancy that had started bleeding. And um, I think uh, it took about, well, let me start here and say when I walked into the emergency uh, department, uh, her blood pressure was 50 over nothing. And um, the quickest RFDS could get there was about seven hours. And so you can see that that sort of challenge where, you know, getting patients to secondary and tertiary care, it's getting better, especially WA. You know, it's, it's getting a lot better. There's more aircraft and, and more backup, and you've now got video links. Um, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, so you, there's a certain arrangement where you can seek advice if you need it from oh, yeah, that might be cardiologists or neurosurgeons yeah. or... Yeah. Gynecologist, yeah. and that—that's—that's that's absolutely the the most vital thing is is being able to contact an expert and talk them through the problem. And sometimes um, that'll require a video link. Um, so we've got video setups in in the emergency departments, emergency rooms, and somebody can dial in and um, 
actually visualize the patient if they need to talk you through um, some procedures and, and yeah, without that be incredibly difficult. Do you have to sometimes do minor surgical procedures like an appendectomy? Is that something that's required of you in remote regions or is that something you can usually manage with antibiotic therapy and tie them over until they're shipped out? Um, yeah, we we do. I mean, there's a lot of, yeah, the nature of, of it is that you do a lot more. Um, so you do minor procedures. I mean, the procedures that we would is expected sort of is um, being able to put in a chest drain, intubate the patient. Although now, with um, you know, uh, with with the uh, video or laryngoscopy, it, it, or laryngoscope, it, it's a lot easier. It's a little bit of a shift, but um, you know, so there's a lot of bit of technology going on. You know where uh, things become a little bit easier. Surgically, I mean, we've always done in sort of rural practice uh, more surgical stuff, mostly around skin medicine. But um, some of my colleagues I know are doing um, vasectomies and and um, some hernia surgeries and um, mm. yeah. So mm. you know, that would be very rewarding. Does the college reach out to you at all? Again, do they ever? The college from. Uh, Queensland that I've seen exists, the remote and rural college of medicine. Do they reach out to you and ask how you are or whether you need any further services? Is there communication of, on that level? Um, not really. I mean, I'm I'm a fellow of the Royal College of Australian General Practice. Yes. Um, uh, or, yeah, the Australian College. Uh, so we don't know. It's, it's There's not a lot of contact. Um, although if we needed something from the college and, and um, needed to talk to somebody about something related to training. Um, yeah, it's pretty easy. So I'm going through the process now of increasing my, I should put it, uh, going from just the fellow of the Royal College to the fire GP, which is the rural yes. college. Um, yeah. And so upskilling that way, which involves proving some, experience and competencies and things yeah correct and so that's been pretty painless um so far and it's pretty easy and i think the the australian college of rural remote medicine seems to be the same there's a lot of um focus for us um and and i think they do it particularly well um is um online training um you know Mm. um and they you know you can do almost any course and and it's run pretty often like uh, before we do these IRMA 6 and 7, there's the REACT course. Um, and I think the I think ACRAM has a similar – I'm going to move in. I think it's going to rain pretty hard. <laughs> too. Um, You're going to get a tropical storm. Yeah. But what about what about sort of mentorship? Do are you do you receive that? Uh, you know, in some situations there's mentorship. I suspect you probably are a mentor. Well, you will be very soon, and you were talking about medical students. But did anyone mentor you into this? It was a, it's, it's sort of been your own path and journey, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, for me it was, I think, um, and the way I did it, it wasn't as in, let's say, I think up until about 2010, um, it wasn't as structured. And certainly um, the credentialing was... Um, not as rigorous, which it is now. It's it's pretty rigorous. Um, you have to have a LS2 
Um, you have to have done the React course. You have to have a certain amount of experience um, before you can become a credential to um, be a VMO ED, basically, or um, in in a um, in these uh, remote uh, practices. Certainly for WA, Queensland's the same. Yeah. So there's a lot of paperwork proving um, that sort of thing. Yeah, so I did, uh, before I did um, Tom Price, I, um, yeah, I did the, the Alias 2 in Sydney and then did the React course in Perth. I think it was October 2021 or something. So, yeah. Eddie, and you've got some medical students as well uh, that come up and work yeah. up there in Bamiga. How does it, are they from, are they from Cairns or from, yeah, uh, from Brisbane? Cairns, yeah, Cairns. Yeah. And I think Brisbane as well. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty rewarding. They get yeah. to see and, and work with us and, um, you know. I imagine that would be a tremendous experience for them. And are they with you for a couple of weeks? Uh, what, yeah, what? I think they do. I'm not entirely sure. I, I haven't met, I, I literally met um, the two current students uh, last night because I've been over in um, Bardo Island. Yes. Um, and um, just got back um, on Thursday. So, um, yeah, uh, it's, um, they seem pretty um, keen and, and, and like it out here, you know, and, and it's pretty spectacular. You know, this is, this is one of the great things of being in rural places like on the Cape. We had a, a quick picnic up in on the tip at, at Cape York last night. Um, Standing off the know, Crocs? Any crocodiles yeah, on the beach? Yeah, well, no, actually, we are on the old, um, there's an old uh, um, uh, resort there that's gone, well, the, the jungle's taken over. Okay. Um, but the old helipad is still there, which gives you views all around, um, and, and it's just beautiful, you know. It's I, had, I had a patient today, and I said, I'm going to introduce myself to you today, and yeah, that you live, yeah, you're working up in Bamiga, which I and I hadn't heard of Bamiga, so I had to get the map out. She said, oh, I've been to Bamiga. I said, Well, I'm going to ask him about the croc tent because there's a croc tent. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She said, Oh, I've been to the croc tent, and yeah. uh, yeah, so that's one of the local places that uh sort of stands out when you look at tourism in Bamiga. But it, it does seem like a beautiful place. You've got the Jardine National Park quite close by, oh, yeah. the Far East, and so forth. and you know, it, it, it's probably like a tropical South Africa, I guess, in some ways, but, you know, but very different, of course. In, and on Bardo Island, which I also hadn't much a knowledge of until I spoke to you, it looks like you could almost get on a support and go across to New Guinea from there. Um, oh, yeah, so it's, it's pretty close. Pretty, it's pretty close, isn't it? Um, what do you think about this lifestyle? Um, you've seen more, Australia, more of Australia than most Australians ever will. Uh, you know, you've been from the south in Tassie all the way up. WA and now Queensland. What do you think about this as a lifestyle for, you know, youngish doctor, doctor who's sort of wanting some challenges and not necessarily wanting to be uh, married to metropolitan life? What, any any comments about that? Yeah, no, it's just, I mean, it's fantastic. I, I love um, seeing these rural places, you know, uh, going out to the Pilbara, like Tom Price, for instance, It's mm. it's got its own beauty, um, you know, and... Um, then coming to these places and, and you see things and but I think to me the why I do it isn't the places it's more about the people um, and the patients and 
the type of medicine that you get to practice. Um, you get to make a difference every day. It's like every single day there's something that needs doing. And at the end of the day, I mean, there's a lot of worry because you just you can't just know everything. And, uh, you know, despite your best efforts, um, you sometimes you just don't know um, and you worry. But at the end of the day, yeah, it's just um, you, you can make such a big difference. And I think that's that's the main thing. And so if somebody wanted to do it, you know, it, it's – you can, of course – I mean, I moved around a bit, although not that much. You know, the only period I really moved around was when I was doing the locums and seeing all these places. But, I mean, the best thing to do in some sense is, um, you know, doing a couple of years, you know, at least and getting to really know the patients and um, – the biggest challenge, especially in rural places, is um, you think it's the emergency medicine, the distance, but it's actually the primary health, primary health care, you know. Um, diabetes is a huge problem and heart disease. Yes. Um, I'm sure you know the yeah. figures with, you know, chronic kidney disease and, and how much younger Aboriginal Torres Strait people uh, die than the rest of Australians. And, uh, do, do you think that comes back significantly to diet? Is that is? Do you see the diet as being a big factor there? The consumption of sweetened drinks, and um, you know, refined carbohydrates and so forth. Um, no. Well, let me say maybe, and I'll give a qualified maybe. So, for instance, I mean, um, here the local shop is about, I'd say, about twice as expensive as you would pay anywhere else in Australia. It's just because things need to come up on a barge. And yeah. and so they sell things that, that sell. Um, they, you know, it's hard to get fruit here. It's hard to get vegetables here. And so the offerings can be, you know, and, and especially refined carbs is cheap. Mm. let's be honest you know yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah. a lot cheaper than anything else yes. and so if you're um struggling for money and i you know i don't think i think there's a lot of poverty then you're buying well if you're not fishing because a lot of people do fish and, and that's a big part of diet you know but if you're unlucky or you don't get enough um you sort of stuck with the basics rice um you know pastas and bread and that's what you have because it's cheap yes, um, yes. Yeah. Not, not so much the fresh fruit and vegetables i thought yeah. you had a lot of fresh fruit and so forth yeah there. so yeah. it's partly diet and i think there's some genetics um mm. absolutely some genetics um yeah i don't, I don't want to blame let's say um the australian government but I think there's a there's not enough money spent in healthcare in these places sometimes. And I know there's incredible challenges. I mean, there's historic uh, problems um, that come from you know there's there's this general mistrust of the government and and institutions that that come from Aboriginal people and rightly so. But um, on the other end, I think we can do a lot more and and have you know. Yeah, just uh, engaging more with people. And I think if you do, they appreciate it. And although it's small steps, you know, it's, I, it's, 
I think victories. Well, I think you're doing an incredible job. You know what you've been, uh, what you've brought to that remote rural area, Etienne, and around Australia. So you know you're you're leading by example, and it's sort of making me think that I should come up and volunteer some services at some point. Uh, No, I'd love to talk to you about that sometime. And uh, you know, I hope through this uh, podcast, maybe people might reach out to you and have a chat about what might be possible young doctors who are looking for a for a different challenge yeah. uh, tell me what did you get lonely okay so you are away from the hustle and bustle and there are some advantages being around hustle and bustle cities and so forth do you get lonely and like what, what do you do to get a bit of a break from where you are oh look i mean um i'm uh, my position here is um i'm going to um have about six weeks in south africa very soon so I'm going to go and visit the parents and, you know, get that sort of thing. But um, as a rule, generally, um, stuff up here is, is, for me, it's more have a look around, you know, go and camp somewhere, uh, drive out and, you know, go to swimming hole. Um, okay. There's such a lot to see up here. Yeah, and sometimes, I mean, um, my colleagues like to go to Cairns, certainly, um, you know, and uh, Cairns is great. But, I mean, you don't need to. You can get everything you need. I mean, you can have it sent up. Um, there's great internet here. Um, although Bardo Island wasn't, I have to say, Bardo Island was slow. Um, <laughs> That's why you got off Bardo Island. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no, Netflix. Yeah. I think without internet and Netflix and, you know, yes. um, all, all these sorts of things, you're, um, yeah, it would be difficult. It would be, right. it's changed a lot. From when I started doing it, you know, um, I'd say about 2007-ish, you'd be out in places and, and I still remember, you know, the, the flip over phones and yeah, you just couldn't, it was incredibly expensive, you know, and talking to um, family back home. Now I've got my wife who's traveling with me. So that makes it a lot easier. So yeah. And my kids are grown up, so it makes it easier. I, I had to, uh, when my kids were going through high school, especially, you know, we lived in Sydney. And I did 10 years um, in Darlinghurst in the middle of, you know, Sydney to get them through that. But uh, I I think it'd be hard with kids. And I think that's why a lot of doctors, I think a lot of us, especially GPs, we think when we go into medicine, we're going to do this. You know, we're going to go out and try and help people. Places like the the Cape York Peninsula, like the Northern Territory um, and the Kimberleys and the Pilbara, but then reality sets in. You, you can do it a couple of years after you, you do your fellowship, yes. meet somebody, get married, then you have kids, and then yes. suddenly they're in primary school. And, yes. yeah, there's an okay primary school, but as soon as that, you know, and then you've got choices, you know, do they go to boarding school? Is, is that what you want? So a lot of us, and I think rightly so, we end up that period of our lives in city practices and then – yeah, I, th- I see a lot of guys um, my age and a bit older maybe uh, doing these locums around Australia again, um, yes. and especially in, in remote places. I'm more of the sort of ilk, I'd, I'd rather stick around for a longer period than do the locums. Um, you know, I'd, I'd prefer to do a year or two in one place at least. But, yeah, I mean, doing the locums, they've plug a, you know, a hole, and, and there's – in general practice, there's just not enough general practitioners in Australia. I haven't been for a while, so, yeah. Which brings me to, I should plug um, Bamaga. 
Yes, um, there's, there's at least two SMO jobs going and a med super. So anybody who's interested. They could um, do sport, sport fishing on the side and safaris. They've oh, got yeah, the truck, truck tent. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, and uh, come up and have a look. Well, if they, if they need a gastroenterologist to come up and do a little bit of work, I'd, I'd be deeply on it. But maybe I could, I could offer some other services, uh, come and patch up, be the nurse there for a little while to help you. Yeah. Or just the dish pig. Just the dish pig in the hospital. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, anything medicine-wise is is hugely appreciated. I mean, all of our focus now has been a little bit on COVID. Um, yes, yes. Right? Preventing uh, that from getting into the Aboriginal communities, I'm sure. Yes, there's been a lot yeah. of talk about that in the news just recently. Yeah, so we've been, I think, reasonably lucky um, so far. Uh, touch wood. But, yeah, I mean, it's our immunisation rates are okay but not fantastic. So, yeah. Um, Etienne, I'd like to thank you so much for joining me, you know, and um, go to, if it's okay, I'll put a little plug about where you are and so forth in the show notes of the podcast. And I hope that people can reach out to you. And I hope, yeah, no, I hope no. to catch up with you sometime again too. And I really enjoy all your posts on LinkedIn. Please get those going. They're, they're very interesting. Yeah, no <laughs> thank you very yeah. much. Have a good one. Yeah, thank you. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Etienne Coward as much as I did. We really do owe him a great debt of gratitude for his incredible work in the bush, remote and raw parts of Australia, currently Bamiga. It was a very interesting conversation for me to have and I'm sure Etienne would be happy for you to reach out to him via his email that I've left in the show notes. If you'd like to talk more with him about uh, rural and remote possibilities for your uh, medical practice. Uh, during the podcast series, we will be covering a wide range of topics across many specialty interests. The discussions are not intended as specific medical advice for patients, but as general information only and reflect the opinions of the guests interviewed. Requests for new topics to be reviewed and comments about the conversation you've listened to are welcomed and may be emailed to manager at gihealth.com.au. Thank you.